Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Larry Stamm helps us share our faith with others, and author Doug Stoffer begins a series looking at the pre-tribulation rapture. Thanks to your prayers and financial support, Watchmen on the Wall is heard on almost 700 radio signals each day, proclaiming the good news that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. For all of our brand new listeners, we say hello and want to let you know we have an outstanding resource for you. It's our new listener pack. Inside the new listener pack is a collection of items designed to welcome you to Watchmen on the Wall. Every new listener pack includes our Prophetic Observer newsletter and a free gift. So make sure and request your free new listener pack when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Do you receive our monthly newsletter, The Prophetic Observer? Each month, thousands of people read the latest articles by James Collins and Larry Spargimino examining the signs of the times as seen through the lens of Scripture. Subscribe to The Prophetic Observer newsletter today. Call 1-800-652-1144 and sign up for The Prophetic Observer newsletter. That's 1-800-652-1144. Doug Stoffer is a gifted researcher and a popular conference speaker. He passionately and persuasively proves and defends the pre-tribulation rapture. Today, he begins a new series teaching on the pre-tribulation rapture that is found throughout the Word of God. There is much confusion these days concerning what the Bible says about the end times. Take the rapture of the church, for example. Some believe that we'll be raptured before the tribulation. Some believe that we will be raptured three and a half years into the tribulation. Some believe that we will be raptured at the end of the seven-year tribulation. Some believe there's no such thing as the rapture at all. All these beliefs cannot be correct. So which one is right? Joining me today to talk about this topic is Dr. Douglas Stauffer. Doug has produced a DVD titled In the Last Days, where he combs through the scriptures to prove the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Doug, welcome back to The Watchman on the Wall. Oh, man, it's great to be here with you, James. I'm excited about the program and exciting about where we're going to head, and it could be a thousand different directions, but you name it, we'll go. Well, Pastor Doug, you're a longtime friend of our ministry, but it's been a little while since you've been on the program. Would you take just a moment to share a little bit about yourself? Share your testimony, how you came to know the Lord, and how you got started in ministry. 1980, I was living on Oakloose Island. Guy put a gun to my head. I said, that's it. I'm going to go to church, find a wife, going to go to college at night, quit partying so much. So I went to church. Two months later, I found Jesus, got saved. Shortly thereafter, I moved over to this church where I am now, and I was learning the Bible because of it. And 42 years later, I'm coming through for the first time. God's dealing with me about getting back in the pastorate. And this church was looking for a pastor. So I had 30,000 miles I still had to do, China, Canada, the whole works. Finished that up in June of 19 and became pastor here three years ago, coming on my third anniversary. So I am in Niceville, Florida, Faith Independent Baptist Church, and it's my little slice of heaven on earth. Looking forward to when Jesus comes back. I look for him every day, but I plan as though I'm going to be here for a while. Well, let's talk about In the Last Days. The DVD contains over seven hours of Bible teaching about the end times. 
I really like the title of your first teaching session, Deliverance or Devastation, Son of God or Son of Perdition. Would you share some biblical reasons for the pre-tribulation rapture? I do not believe there's one verse in the Bible that contradicts a pre-tribulation rapture, none whatsoever. We are looking at all the verses that are confused and people are confused about it, but the reason for that is because they don't rightly divide the word of truth. If you don't rightly divide the word of truth, you can't understand it. If you don't make a distinction between Israel and the church, you won't understand it. Israel is Jacob. It is the past. It is the future. But the present is the church. So we're in the church age. Once the church age comes to an end at the rapture, when the dead in Christ you know, shall rise first, we which are alive and remain caught up together in the clouds, so shall we be with the Lord, then what happens is that seven years of Daniel's 70th week will then commence. It's the 70th week of Daniel, 490 years, 483 are already in the past. You've got seven left. That is what the future is. Rapture comes before that. Not one verse in the Bible contradicts that. I couldn't say I had all the proof on it that I needed five years ago, but I do have it now. There's not one verse in the Bible that really gives me a hiccup. That includes Second Thessalonians 2 or Matthew 24, Luke 17, Daniel 9, wherever you want to go. Jeremiah 30, Isaiah 13. We can look at every bit of it if we had time, and none of it contradicts a pre-tribulation rapture. In the Last Days DVD, you said many teachers view the teaching on the pre-tribulation rapture like the Titanic viewed the iceberg. Now, what did you mean by that statement? When the Titanic finally got to see the iceberg, but looked small on the top, you know, the, the evidence, let's say, of the rapture looks very little on the top, what's above the water. But when you get down below the water, when you dig into the Scripture, you find out that that iceberg is huge. That truth, the magnitude of truth, is just overwhelming. You build precept upon precept, and... You've got to dig into the Scripture to find that truth. recently heard a well-known Bible teacher say, Pastors, if you're not preparing your congregation to meet the Antichrist, you are wrong. What is your reaction to that statement? Well, that just means that we need to be looking for the Antichrist, not looking for Jesus, and that's the problem. Right. The Bible tells us over and over again, you need to be looking for Jesus. You need to be waiting for Him. You need to be watching for Him. You need to be working for Him. Well, if we're to be looking for something other than that, the mark of the beast or the Antichrist or any of those things, then our eyes are off of Jesus, and that's the problem in the church today. If people really thought Jesus could come back tomorrow, they'd be different today. If they believed he was coming back this week, you'd see a revival all over the world. And that's where we are. People have gotten their eyes off of Jesus. In fact, I just turned over to Titus chapter 2, and the Bible says that if you're looking for that blessed hope, you're teaching us to deny ungodliness, worldly lust. We're going to live soberly, righteously. We're to be zealous of good works. Why? We're looking for that blessed hope. Jesus' return and our expectancy of that is what makes a difference in our lives. Well, you spend a large portion of In the Last Days teaching from Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and I want to read a verse from that chapter and have you comment on it. The Bible says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. That is Second Thessalonians 2.7. Pastor Doug, how does that passage teach the pre-tribulation rapture? Well, that's a great question. I think it's been misunderstood, honestly, because 
When you look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, you have the rapture in verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. That's the rapture of the church. Mm -hmm. You have the full seven years in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You know that because it says in verse 8, Then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume. Well, that's the second coming. So now you've gone from point zero to seven years later. In between, there are two three-and-a-half-year gaps in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. What's going to happen before the rapture? Well, there's a falling away. It says falling away first. It doesn't say falling away and the man of sin be revealed first. It says falling away first. So there's going to be apostasy. That's where we are today. Mm-hmm. And then... Three and a half years later, that man of sins revealed. Well, wait a minute. Three and a half years later, sure, there's a comma there, and that three and a half year gap, just like you have in Isaiah 61 as an example. But in that time frame, then, when you see the question or the verse that you raised, who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way, that's the midpoint of the tribulation. It's not the Holy Ghost. It's not at the beginning. It's not found in verses 1 and 2. It's all the way to the three-and-a-half-year period. So who is that that's going to be taken out of the way? And what is the strong delusion that God's going to send to the earth? At the midpoint of the tribulation, Revelation chapter 12, the Bible says that Satan will be cast out of heaven. Now think about it. He's up there. He's the accuser of the brethren. He comes and goes as he pleases. But his greatest thing that he wants to do is to accuse the brethren before a holy God. That's why they're all going, holy, holy, holy. They're drowning out that accuser as he does that. But at the midpoint, three-and-a-half-year point, Michael the archangel summoned back to heaven, and he kicks Satan out down to earth. That's the strong delusion that they're going to believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but have pleasure and righteousness. That delusion, think about the most deceptive thing that can ever happen in the history of the world, and that is when Satan is cast down here. When's that happen? Midpoint. Why? He persecutes the woman for time, times, and half a time, three and a half years. Who is the protector of Israel? It's Michael. He who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Michael is the protector of Israel for the first three and a half years of Daniel's 70th week. Then, summoned back to heaven, he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. He's taken out of the way by God. The strong delusion happens, which is Satan cast the earth. Now, I know that is not what everybody teaches, but I am a Bible student. I go to the Bible, I study it, I learn it, and I let God change my mind in whatever direction he wants to change it. This is one of the things that was most impactful to me. Once I understood the layout of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, which is the ace in the hole for anybody not teaching a pre-tribulation rapture, it now becomes the thing that they really you know, sort of hang themselves on, because if you go there and you study it precept upon precept, it teaches nothing but a pre-tribulation rapture, it shows the whole seven years, two, three-and-a-half-year gaps right there. I'm James Collins, and I'm visiting today with Pastor Doug Stoffer about his DVD, In the Last Days. If you like solid teaching from the Word of God, you'll love this four-DVD set, which contains over seven hours of Bible teaching about the end times. You can purchase a copy now by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144, or order online at swrc.com. I think one of the best parts of your teaching from In the Last Days is when you discuss 2 Peter chapter 3. You said 
All the debate and confusion over the end times are caused by the scoffers. Now, would you explain that statement? If you look in history, there have always been scoffers, no doubt about it. They've always just looked and said, oh, you're saying that Jesus is coming back in 1988. There's a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988, because of the 40 years after Israel became a nation. Well, I get that. But the point is, he's coming back, the promise is there, and those that are scoffing at it are simply not understanding that you cannot date the rapture. You cannot look there and say, well, you know, this is when it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. I tell people all the time as I started this discussion with you, I tell people to plan as though you're going to be here for a while and live as though Jesus is coming back today. Amen. Where's the promise of his coming? That's the Second Thessalonians 3, 4. The Father said this and all of those things, but they don't understand. But in the context there, it talks about the day of the Lord, and the day of the Lord is as a thousand years, thousand years is one day. The day of the Lord is a thousand-year period covering the whole millennium. Okay, And when people get that understanding, then they can understand better. The thief in the night, it's misunderstood. So as people have taught this and said the rapture has to do with the thief in the night, if you look at Second Thessalonians 2.10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and so on. That thousand-year period includes the day of the Lord, so it'll cover that whole time frame. You mentioned Daniel's 70th week, and a lot of people are confused over that concept. The tribulation, also known as Daniel's 70th week, just what exactly is Daniel's 70th week? Well, Daniel's 70th week is found in Daniel chapter 9. It says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. So, what's the context? Thy people, that's Israel. Thy holy city, that's Jerusalem. So you have Daniel's 70th week, which is the judgment of the nation of Israel. You can go back in history, you can see in Nehemiah, and, and the decree goes forth and all those things. But there are seven things that are going to take place during Daniel's 70th week. And Daniel's 70th week is just the last seven years of that period of judgment. 483 of those years have already passed. And then there are seven more years yet in the future. We call it Daniel's 70th week. Many people call it the tribulation period. I don't use that as often because I think tribulation always happens. It happens to Christians. We're going to suffer tribulation, but we're not going to go into the period referred to as the tribulation period. So there are seven things that will happen. Number one, in Daniel 9.24, they're going to finish the transgression. This is the judgment to make an end of sins to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal the vision and to seal the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Those seven things. One of the things that's most telling is it says make reconciliation for iniquity. Well, the believer is already reconciled to Jesus Christ according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So this is Israel. Everything about it is Israel. And so when you take it out of its context and try to force the church into it, it's confusing because you can't have the church here and God's focus again upon the nation of Israel because in the church there's neither Jew nor Gentile in the church. So how can now a distinction be made? Take the church out, now you have Israel that God's going to be focused on. The rapture does not mark the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. What does mark the beginning of that seven-year period? 
The beginning of the seven-year period, you would find that in Daniel or in Revelation or in Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 17, and they're varying things. I mean, there's going to be great deception. Matthew 24 talks quite a bit about that. And people are going to be looking for Jesus on this earth. Well, if somebody's here during the seven-year period, don't be looking for a Messiah on this earth. He's not going to be here. He's going to come back, catch out the church. We're going to meet him in the air, in the clouds, and then we're going to go back to heaven with him. Well, in Matthew 24, it talks about false Christ, and he's over here, he's over there, he's in the desert. Listen, he's not going to be on earth. When he comes back to earth, it's at the end of the seven years, and he is going to judge the earth. He's going to have a sword coming out of his mouth. The armies which were in heaven in Revelation 19.14 are going to be behind him. He's Revelation 19.11 riding a white horse. And that's the deception that's really problematic during that time. So there's going to be great deception. There's so many things that you go through and say that's what's going to be happening at that time. You mentioned Matthew 24. In that passage, Jesus gives us some signs to expect before the tribulation, but Matthew 24 is not a rapture passage, correct? That is correct. I mean, even Noah and Lot and some of the others that are used, when you look at Noah, Noah goes into the ark and he's still on earth after the flood, after the judgment. Well, that's like the nation of Israel. They're going to go into the seven years, but those that endure to the end, just meaning they lived all the way through it, They're still here at the end, but they've been supernaturally protected by God, just like Noah, just like Lot. When Lot left Sodom, the fire rained down on that day. Jesus is going to send his angels, Matthew 24, 31. He shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect. He's going to gather them for protection and they're going to be protected from everything. When you look at some other things, like I mentioned the days of Noah and the days of Lot, the Bible says, verse 39, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. That's not a rapture. Those that are taken away are taken in death, and you can define that really easily. Then there shall be two in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women grinding, one shall be taken, the other left. The one that's left during Daniel's 70th week at the end are those believers. The ones taken are taken in death. In the rapture, the ones that are taken are all believers. The ones that are left behind are those that go into the tribulation. Pastor Doug, next time I want to continue talking about Matthew 24. The DVD is titled In the Last Days by Doug Stoffer. Pastor Doug, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for a great interview, and I look forward to speaking with you again. All right, James. Boy, you keep it going fast. That's the way I like it because I like to keep up with you. Doug Stoffer will have more insight into what the Bible says about the pre-tribulation rapture next time. Today, we have Doug Stoffer's latest DVD series, In the Last Days. This four-DVD series features over seven hours of Doug's most recent live conference presentations, along with his newest television interviews. He provides all you need to defend the pre-tribulation rapture with irrefutable scriptural proofs. He systematically answers the pre-trib objections with his usual fiery style of delivery. Order Doug Stoffer's DVD series, In the Last Days, when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com.
www.watchmanonthewall.com. We're so thankful to have Larry Stam as part of the Watchman on the Wall team. Today, Larry is here to help us break down the barriers we each have when it comes to sharing our faith with others. Shalom, friends. Larry Stam here. So glad you are joining us as we continue this series, Serving in His Court, Biblical Principles for Personal Evangelism from the Heart of a Coach. In our last lesson, we introduced this idea of being an ambassador for Christ. And I mentioned that the Apostle Paul spoke to the church in Corinth in the first century, and he told each believer there that they were ambassadors for Christ. Remember, we said that in general, an ambassador is a respected official acting as a representative of a nation. Sent to a foreign land, the ambassador's role was to and is to reflect the official position of the sovereign body that gave him authority. Remember Jesus when he gave the disciples their marching orders in Matthew 28. He said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So you and I have been given our marching orders as ambassadors for Christ. We are to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, representing the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus. We are to reflect what it means to live out the Christian life. We are to represent the kingdom of God. We are to live kingdom-oriented lives. And we mentioned that to live a kingdom-oriented life is to first and foremost love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then we are called to love others. I want to briefly unpack 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 through 21. In here, we are going to find some powerful principles for personal evangelism. Now, you may be thinking about your witness for Jesus Christ, and you may say, well, I don't I don't know if I have the gift of evangelism. I can tell you, friends, I don't know if I necessarily have the quote-unquote gift of evangelism, but I do know that all of us as believers in Jesus Christ, we all are called to be his witnesses, and our witness is going to look different in our unique spheres of influence because the Lord has endowed each of us with unique gifts and abilities, unique talents to be utilized to glorify his name and to witness for Jesus to others. But make no mistake, all of us are witnesses for Jesus. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to briefly break down verses 17 through 21. The Word of God says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Stop there. So if you are a Christian, you are a new creation in Messiah or in Christ. So this is something that the Lord has done for you and me who know the Lord. He's made each of us new creations in Christ. Now look at verse 18. Paul continues, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So in verse 18, Paul says that God has given us Notice that pronoun, us. That was a collective. This letter to the church in Corinth was addressed to all the believers, and now Paul says that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that ministry? It's the ministry of the gospel. 
Verse 19, Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 5, To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Again, I want to highlight the pronoun us. Paul was talking about the church collective. And what is the word of reconciliation, friends? That is the gospel message. So God's entrusted us with the gospel, which is the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation. And it applies to every believer in Jesus Christ. You may not have the quote-unquote gift of evangelism, but certainly you and I are all witnesses for Jesus. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. So God is imploring people through us. Remember, as Christians, we are indwelt with the Ruach HaKadosh. That is Hebrew for the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Godhead. God the Spirit dwells within those of us who know the Lord Jesus, and he is imploring people to be reconciled to God. And then finally, a powerful elucidation of the gospel message in very profound and succinct terms, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Remember, friends, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are not righteous because of what we have done. We are declared righteous because of our faith in the righteous one, Jesus whose righteous work, his death and resurrection on the cross, has made us righteous. So I'm righteous not because of what I do, but I'm righteous in God's eyes because of my faith in what he has done for me. But God says again in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And once again, I want to say this about the church in Corinth in the first century. They were a mess in many ways. In both First and Second Corinthians, Paul was addressing carnality. There were Christians that were living for themselves. There was backbiting and infighting. People were living according to the flesh and not walking in the spirit. There were a lot of broken people who were not necessarily following the Lord in obedience. And yet Paul addressed every one of them and said, you have a kingdom responsibility. You are ambassadors for Christ. You have been entrusted with the word, with the ministry of reconciliation. And you are the righteousness of God in him, not because of what you have done, but because of your faith in what Jesus has done for you. Friends, we're going to continue next time talking about what it means to be entrusted with the gospel and what it means to be a witness for Jesus Christ until next time, friends, the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Shalom. In the Last Days, four DVD series by Doug Stoffer offers all you need to defend the pre-tribulation rapture with irrefutable scriptural proofs. Over seven hours of Doug's most recent live conference presentations, along with his newest television interviews. Order Doug Stoffer's DVD series, In the Last Days, when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. 
Tomorrow, Doug Stoffer continues to show how the truth of the pre-tribulation rapture is found all throughout the Word of God. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.